turn your sluggish Monday into a victory Monday as Trey and Kieran pull back the curtain with some of the most fascinating people in sports, business, media, and culture. This is Victory Monday. Welcome back to Victory Monday. We are joined today by Buck Rising of 104.5 The Zone and A to Z Sports Nashville. Buck, thank you for joining us today. I appreciate y'all having me. It's uh, it's I've been we've been following each other on social media for a while, Trey. So it's good to connect. It is good to connect. It's good to it's good to talk. So um, today we're just going to talk a little bit about um how you got to where you are in, in Nashville media and kind of how that process has been since you got there. So I'm going to start off with a question that I think. No, wait, 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 wait. Do yeah, people yeah, yeah. care about that? Do people actually care about like, I, you know, it, we, we talked about this over DM and I cannot think of a less interesting person <laughs> to have like, you know, a career origin uh, story or whatever you want to call it on but me but if you think people care we could talk about it dude i i i mean i don't know about other people and i hope that other people care but i am always fascinated with like the all of you guys and how y'all got to like where you are because media is just fascinating to me um okay so, so i mean the most obvious question is your <clears throat> your voice is like I don't know where you got your voice from, how you got your voice, but when did you realize that you had the voice that you have and when did you know it was good for radio? Oh, well, those are two different questions. Um, shout out puberty for making my entire career possible. That's a, that's a big win for me. Um, but, you know, people have always been making fun of my voice because I've sounded like this basically uh, since that took place. And I had no interest in, you know, sports or media or broadcasting uh, at all until I was in a uh, sports, sports marketing and management class. I had some buddies that were doing like sports, uh, like local or not even local student sports radio in Bloomington at Indiana, where I went. And they said, you know, do you have any interest in doing this and like coming and hanging out? And I was like, I don't know shit about sports. What do you guys want, want to talk about? Uh, can I, I'm sorry. Can I cuss? Is that okay? Oh yes. Go for it. Okay. Okay. Just wanted to make sure, uh, after I cuss. So, you know, that's always good to do on the back end, but, um, yeah, I, I started doing it like my senior year of college and, uh, somebody told me, Hey, you can make money doing this. And I thought, well, that's stupid. Why would anybody pay me to do something like this? And, you know, it turns out it worked out. So before your senior year of college, I mean, you were never a big sports guy at all. Oh, hell no. No, I, uh, I, not, you know, hell no, not in the sense like there's anything wrong with, you know, being a sports fan, but like, I honestly, uh, there was nothing in my, like my family. Nobody really gives a shit about sports. Nobody, uh, there was no, like, I don't really have a, a, a favorite team other than Indiana. And that's because that's where I went to college. So that was like a, a late in life type of thing. Uh, yeah. I just kind of tripped and fell into sports. So was there like an adjustment period of like not not giving a singular shit about sports to being like a sports radio? And now you got to know, I mean, especially with the Titans, you got to basically know all the ins and outs as much as you can. Uh, you know, I mean, there's definitely, you know, there's definitely times when I feel that um, lack of background, for lack of a better term. And that took a lot of like legit studying. I mean, everything 
pre-Marcus Mariota, I basically had to read about and go back on YouTube and watch and kind of familiarize myself with everything that was going to be doing. Now, fortunately, I had like, I had landed down here with 1025. It was an unpaid internship. And I told my parents that I didn't have a job, but I was moving to Nashville. And they thought they were you an idiot. What, what, what the hell sense does that make? But um, so I, I was, I was interning. I was just basically doing like call screening and editing audio for, for Darren McFarlane and, and Derek Mason. And like, you know, I was working with Derek and I was working with Floyd Reese. And so I had a little bit of uh, I had a, a, not a little bit, a fantastic resource to kind of learn about the, the local professional football team. And then, you know, we didn't have anybody covering the Titans while I was at 1025. This was pre-Teron Davenport. Karski was still at the zone. And so like 1025 didn't have a Titans reporter. And I said, hey, you know, while I'm not working midnight to 6 a.m., once they finally started paying me to do shit, uh, can I go to Titans practice during the day? And at that point, I was like, you know, uh, studying the way that you would for an exam in college from midnight to 6 a.m. every night, Monday through Friday about the Titans so I could learn about, you know, what the hell I was going to get ready to talk about if I was going to make it doing this. How often do you come across a time when like somebody uh, like references something from the Titans way back in the day and you're like, oh, my God, I don't even know who they're talking about or what they're talking about? Not with the Titans, um, you know, honestly, like, and I, I feel I've done a pretty good job to where that's not been a problem for me. Um, you know, every once in a while, somebody will throw out like a, like a draft pick that's Austin Huff and, and Jack Gentry, who I work with at A to Z Sports. They do a great job with, with that element of things because they'll do a segment called Remember the Titan and they'll pull out some random ass name from God knows what draft class that ended up having like, you know, a week and a half here that I'll have no context for. And then I'll immediately get self-conscious and spend like the rest of the day trying to learn everything I can about that one sixth round draft pick that didn't end up lasting very long here at all. But um, it, it's definitely, to be honest with you guys, and I, I have great people around me to help me on the radio show, but that definitely happens to me with the University of Tennessee. Now that I have the, the, the talk radio show um, on top of the streaming and, and doing like the day-to-day -day Titan stuff, uh, it's definitely a problem for me with UT, uh, but my EP Lucas uh, Panzeca just uh, bails me out so many times because any anytime I'm talking Tennessee on the radio, it's actually Lucas talking to me in my ear and then me just parroting whatever the hell Lucas is telling me to say so I don't sound like a jackass. That's amazing. I bet you weren't ready to step into that wolf den of the UT fan base. Yeah, but, you know, I I – it's just never college football's, you know, I mean, sports in general just were never really a big part of my life, but um, college football is something that I'm fascinated by because it's so damn tribal down here and Tennessee fans are batshit crazy and I love them for it. Um, and, and, you know, to kind of get to roll around in it as a side hustle, but then, you know, quickly uh, escape back to the, to the confines of, of the NFL as, as my bread and butter, like I, li I like to dip a toe in ball Twitter every once in a while. It's a good time. Would you say, like slowly but surely, through uh, maybe Lucas or, or dipping your toes in Vault Twitter, that you're becoming more comfortable with uh, being able to talk Tennessee, or is it still a daily struggle? Oh no, I like. I mean, when we get into recruiting stuff, like Nico Iamaliava, um, the five-star quarterback who committed, like 
some of that stuff is just beyond my scope. Like I, I just, I physically don't have the time to cover everything. So when we get into recruiting, then I, then I definitely need his help. Um, but you know, now that we're into a year of the radio show and I was already, already kind of like doing a little bit once over the past couple of years with prime time, even though with, with A to Z, even though that was super tight and heavy, um, you know, I am, I, I feel confident in my ability to carry on. Like if you asked me to do three hours of talk radio, just on Tennessee tomorrow, I could do it. Um, and that's, that's a year in, it definitely took a lot of, a lot of the same kind of work and study and, and still I'll, you know, Titans go back. I mean, to 1960, if you want to talk Oilers, but the Vols are a hundred year old fan fan base. So I'm just, there's only so much that I'm going to be able to do, even though the audience is usually double twice my age and has a much deeper wealth of knowledge about their favorite university than I do. How are you on covering the Preds? Shitty. Uh, but that's because I can't get, I can't get myself to get into hockey until playoffs. I, but you know, we have smart people like the, the, the beauty of the radio show is I just call my friends up who do a better job with this shit than I do and be like, Hey, you want to come in and do 25 minutes on Philip Forsberg and the fact that uh, he's just set the single season franchise scoring record after doing or having the uh, holding the, the franchise record, what a couple of days ago for the most goals all time by a, by a Nashville predator. So like, like I can do surface level stuff, but if you're asking me to break down like the herd line and what their impact is on any given game, like night in and night out, I'm not going to be able to do it. But if we, if we keep it, if we keep it, you know, superficial, I got you. What was it like the first time you stepped on the Titans field practice field as a, as a reporter for the team, it had to be a little bit overwhelming. Oh yeah. Cause I, I mean, zero, zero experience guys. Like I had never covered like any kind of a team before. And then all of a sudden my dumb ass is, you know, I'm 22 years old. I'm out there on a, on a football field with Marcus Mariota and uh, Delaney Walker and, you know, I Taylor Lewan, who is still just an unholy pain in my ass to this day, but we've, we've grown, I think, as a, as a relationship is concerned since then. Um, but yeah, I mean, not even the practice field, like the practice field was fine. Like, cause the practice field, you're not really getting into the shit with the guys, right? That's not until you're dropped into the locker room for 45 minutes, three days a week. And you're expected to just go up and approach these giant superhero sized human beings and talk to them about why they're not, why they weren't as good as at their job as they needed to be, you know, like the whole concept is kind of fucked, but, um, you know, I, what, once we, I, honestly, it took about three days. No, it was longer than three days. It was probably, probably about a week and a half before Brett Kern like came up and like tapped me on the shoulder and was like, Hey man, you look like, <laughs> you need somebody to talk to you. Do you want to, do you want to, do you want to like do an interview? And I'm like, Oh, thank God, Mr. Punter. You're so, you're such a, thank you. Thank you for bailing me out. And then, you know, that gave me the confidence to start going up to people. And, you know, you have, you have the moments where like a Darren Bates will check your ass because you've tweeted something that Darren Bates does not like, and you're getting your first exposure to athletes name searching. And then, you know, going up to going up to them the next day at work and not, you know, thinking everything's kosher it's sometimes it's not uh but yeah it all worked out and i i think that based on the way that i do my job because i'll talk shit but i'll show up the next day um and i will you know i'll always reach out to the person who i'm going to criticize to make sure that i'm not 
coming at it from an angle that I don't necessarily know about or understand to try and get the full context of the picture before I'm critical. And I think that's been a productive way for them to kind of, you know, in, and even with Rabel and Robinson, like that's, that's been, it's been a good way to kind of ingratiate myself with the team. But the, I mean, the lack of locker room in the last, I mean, we're coming up on three years since I've been in a locker room, guys. That's really kicked me in the nuts as far as getting to do my job and really for all of us. So hopefully the, uh, the COVID protocols are a little looser um, when next season rolls around. I know you meant, like you mentioned a minute ago, how Taylor Lewan is such a pain in your ass. What was your first interaction like with him and how did it become like the basically like meme of relationship that everybody sees on Twitter? Um, that's a good question. I can't remember when, I don't remember if he bullied me first or if I bullied him first, because it could be either one. I'm sure it was him first, just based on uh, how that kind of, well, I actually, I remember the first moment where we had, we had to have a come to Jesus moment between the two of us. We had walked up to Taylor Lewan. I can't remember what season it was. I think it was the last year of Malarkey. And um, he, he had, you know, it's something to do with penalties or, uh, uh, you know, unnecessary roughness shit and stuff like that. And like Taylor was under some heat and this was right before they were getting ready to draft Jack Conklin. And at the time, everybody wanted to move Taylor to right tackle and let Conklin play left. Um, and so he was tight. He was sick of our shit. And there was a couple of us getting ready to go up to him and he's like, all right, I'll do the interview. And he just drops his pants like everything right as we're getting ready to congregate around him turns around, you know, Taylor's six foot seven, 300 plus, like it's just, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a scene when he does that. And, you know, Teresa Walker is the person standing directly in front of him and Teresa is not a tall individual. So like there, there was some, uh, you know, I don't know if there was eye contact one way or the other, but she just looks him up and down. Like, I'm not, I'm not impressed by you and goes back through the, uh, goes about the interview. And I was like fucking with him a little bit afterwards. Like, Hey, she just kind of, she just kind of checked your ass. And then he started making fun of my uh, weight or the fact that I went to Indiana or something to that effect. And, you know, it's been a, a beautiful, blossoming, wholesome relationship ever since. So out of all – okay, so covering the Titans for so long and having that relationship with Taylor, is there any other uh, players that you've had, like, a specific relationship with other than him, whether it be as funny or as bullying as it is with Taylor? Is there anybody else on the team that you've been able to, like, form fun relationships with? Oh, sure. Kern, Kern is – uh, I, I love that guy to death and you know, that'll surprise nobody that Brett Kern is, uh, you know, he's just kind of like, he's kind of like your, I mean, I, I shouldn't call him like a father figure cause he's not that old, but you know, he's kind of like the older brother type of deal. And he's always been that for me. So I've really appreciated Brett. Um, Darren Bates is somebody who I, I, uh, he's the first person to like, Hey, rookie me as a media member. Um, but since then we've had a, a really cool relationship and back and forth um you know there's there's a bunch of different dudes who have who I've gotten the opportunity to to kind of connect with on that on that side of things um and you know that's like I said that's a product of being around them every day for the past what we're coming up on seven years now um that I've been down here in Tennessee um now that the new guys I don't have that with right like anybody basically drafted from 2020 on it's been or or signed here from 2020 on you, you just you don't have that because they're not forced to be around you the way that the uh the previous regimes were so 
it's been it's been a little different trying to get to know Christian Fulton and Bud Dupree and Jadavion Clowney, who I never actually set eyes on because it was always over Zoom, that kind of thing. So it seems like you have, I mean, just overall, from the outside looking in at least, seems like you have pretty good relationships um, overall with most of the players. Do you think that uh, that, I mean, I guess that takes time to build, but are there any other factors? Like, do you think your age helps? Like, how, what do you think makes you connect so well with them? Yeah, well, you know, the age thing, because you're right. I mean, I'm, I'm close to, I'm probably like median age for what that locker room is at this point. I think Cam Wake kind of threw it off for a year because Cam was like 45 <laughs> or whatever. Um, but, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not really, I, I don't necessarily know how much that plays in other than I physically, and I don't even physically look that young. Like I've looked 45 for basically my entire life, which is, you know, an, an issue that I struggle with much less the way that I, I sound. Um, so yeah, I'm sure it helped uh, early on because, you know, there's nothing intimidating about me rather than, you know, uh, faceless, middle-aged white guy reporter X, whether it's Glennon or Beauclair or Rex Road or Kaharski or whatever, like, you know, I, it's just a little bit different because I was the youngest for a while before Ben Arthur um, from the Tennessean was started. I think, I think last season was his first season. So yeah, I'm sure that helped. Um, and like, it was super uncomfortable with like the coaches with Malarkey and Vrabel because, you know, I was asking questions at press conferences of people who are like my parents' age. And I'm like, you know, I don't know whether to call you Mr. Malarkey or, or to call you Mike. Like it's super, unco- I don't know. It's like, it was a whole deal. That took some time to get used to. So just backtracking a little bit, um, going from like India, did you go, wait, did you go straight from Indiana, like graduating into the internship at a one of the five? Okay. So, yeah. So what was like, how was the transition like between, you know, graduating to 102.5, A to Z, 104.5, like just talk about the ascent and like how those transitions were. Yeah, the, the ascent of, of, of like onto the, the shittiest uh, ladder in all of, uh, of, of celebrity, right? Local sports talk media. But yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, I don't know why they gave me the internship at 1025. It never should have happened. I had zero qualifications to do anything. Well, yeah, that um, makes me wonder. Probably- so did you, were like, I know you said your senior year is when you, started like doing some of the the sports radio stuff what was like what was your major like did were you and did you end up in like sports communication or something no i was political science i i my hey, degree shout is out the political science majors right that's what that's i'm right going for. so rather than be a history teacher or go into politics and government like my parents were um i decided yeah i'll do something really stupid and do sports talk radio it'll work out right um but yeah, 1025 should have never given me the internship. Um, <laughs> and, and like, I was there with somebody who was right around my age, Julian Council. We, oh, I, I couldn't get anybody to put me on the air. And why should they? I had no business being anywhere near a microphone other than I sound like this. Um, so I started doing a podcast. Like I paid for my own feed. I recruited a guy who was at, you know, wasn't even like in sports his name was eric Steele. he worked at 1029 the buzz overnights and i was like hey just you know do you want to do a podcast i'm trying to find a way to get 
reps and shit like that. And then I didn't want to do it with, you know, it's not Eric's fault. I wanted to do sports and he, it just wasn't like that. So um, Julian council, we did college basketball. Then I figured out nobody in Tennessee gives a shit about college basketball. So I had to find a way to pivot. And then I just kind of tripped and fell into the Titans thing. And then, you know, I, I haven't had much of a personal life in seven years because that's just what I decided that I was going to pour all my effort and energy in. And Austin and Zach at A to Z were at 1025. When I was at 1025, they were the morning show. I was the overnight producer. I used to cut their audio clips. So when they got fired from the game, um, they were out in the wilderness for like a year before they hit me up and took me to lunch and were like, hey, we're doing this thing. Do you want to do you want to come and try it out? We can offer you a raise, which was, you know, I was making like $10 an hour, one or two, five. So any, <laughs> any kind of money was, was money at that point. And, you know, you'd have to come in and sell your own shit and we'll teach you about the sales thing. And we'll walk you, we'll hold your hand basically. Cause we're doing this thing. And Zach Bingham will tell you that he thought I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to be able to do it because I was so, so bad at what they were asking me to do for basically like, I mean, it took eight months for them to get me to a place where I could do the primetime show. Um, and then when I, 104.5, like, so we're, we're almost three years in with the A to Z thing coming up in April. Um, Cause they hired me right before the Nashville NFL draft and midday 180 was, there was no plans for them to leave. 1045 when 1045 was like calling me engaging my interest in hey you know if, if something ever happened and I don't know what their plans were as whatever it was got nuked when when Paul and Hutton and them left uh, so I don't know what what they had in mind but I I uh had a I had a couple of different like talent agencies that were recruiting me I ended up signing with uh Sean Wyman who is just my godsend because he figured out a way to navigate me doing the zone thing because they were kind of in a bad spot they just had their most popular show up and leave even though they knew that they were in a contract year so that was always a possibility and they they physically couldn't sell the airspace they were just plugging and playing stuff and, and losing revenue on that. So we had a bit of leverage there and Wyman was able to do a deal between A to Z and 104.5 that ultimately had somebody with zero sports talk radio experience, like real sports talk radio experience, taking the place of what was the most, and you know, I mean, out, Outkick 360 as it's, as it's called now is, is probably still the most popular I, I think entity um, even though they're, they're taking a bit of a different direction now. So yeah, it all, again, like tripped and fell back, back asswards into it. Cause I have no business doing any of these jobs and yet people keep offering them to me. So I keep taking them. Did you ever, did you feel any pressure um, taking that spot after those guys left? Because they were, I mean, they were pretty massive in, in the Nashville market. Yeah. Um, I took them to drinks before. Cause I kind of wanted to, be like, hey, you know, what what the what am I getting ready to walk into? Like, why are you guys leaving? What do I need to know about this this whole deal? Um, and they were they were fantastic about it. They, you know, we never really talked about, hey, you're gonna you're gonna be because that was never the idea that I was gonna be replacing them. And then they decided that this new opportunity for them made the most sense. So I mean pressure. 
you know, I, I don't want to say that I did because I knew I wasn't going to, you know, there's a, it's a complete and totally different thing. Like there's three of them. There's one of me. I don't do, you know, I don't care about baseball. Like those guys love baseball. I knew I was going to do a completely different show. So people are going to either like me or fucking hate me. And there's probably, you know, <laughs> uh, a decent amount, probably more so in the latter uh, category, but I never really felt like, I, like I never really felt like I was replacing them because I was just like, I want to just do my own thing and hope to God that nobody fires me for it. Do you have any aspirations to go into national stuff or do you like, how do you, I don't know. How do you feel about all that? Well, no, I'm very, very happy currently in my contract situation. <laughs> so why would I have any, why would I have any aspirations beyond what I'm doing right now? I'm very happy here in Nashville, Tennessee with both A to Z media LLC and 104.5 the zone and Cumulus Nashville. How dare you even allege that I would have aspirations outside of, of what I'm doing now? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, I don't really, I, yeah, I've gotten to do some national stuff and I've got a lot of friends who do national, like that have always been super supportive and like tried to push me to do more stuff like that, whether it's like Jason Fitz or Diana Rossini or, um, you know, I, I mean, a times like a, a lot of people who I've had the opportunity to be around and interact with her. I mean, I, I just, I don't know, like I'm, I'm under contract. I'm happy as hell. If they'd let me stay in Nashville the rest of my career and do whatever I wanted, I'd do it. Um, but uh, you know, I, I don't know what, I don't, I have no idea what our whole market is going to look like by the time my contract's up in a couple of years. I, Al Michaels is calling games for Amazon now. Like, I don't know what the next, I didn't even know what national means anymore. Is that the internet is that a television network? Is that Sirius XM or is, you know, what, what does that look like? I don't have the answer to that question. So I, I'm sorry for that's a cop out, but like the real answer is I got no fucking idea. So totally like just off topic now, kind of, sort of. So obviously, you know, your, your Nashville, lo more local stuff with like Titans, uh, Predators when you can, I guess, the Vols, whenever uh, you can. But so what I'm really wondering is, is how big are you into college basketball? It's my favorite sport. Um, it's the only sport that I care about as a fan, um, which probably it's kind of honestly, it's a big blind spot for me, like doing this job because I don't have a football team and I've never had a football team. Like people don't believe that they hear Indiana and they're like, oh, you're a Colts fan. And oh, you look like Andrew Luck. So you must be a Colts fan. Blah, blah, blah. No, I just I don't I don't care at all whatsoever about rooting allegiances in the NFL. Um but yeah, college basketball has always been my favorite sport. That's that's my jam. So, uh, do you have a bracket? Uh, uh, do you at this point? Does anybody have a bracket that's <laughs> that's functioning? I mean, there is a bracket that exists that I hit a bunch of buttons and picked a bunch of teams that are no longer playing basketball anymore. But yeah, that's that's out there. Yeah, who'd you uh, who'd you have winning it all? Arizona. Oh, dang! I, I had a. I really thought this could have been the year that that Tennessee won it all, but the SEC did not have a strong showing in the tournament. No, Arkansas is the, the lone survivor and they're, I, I'm pretty sure they're playing Gonzaga on Thursday. So I don't know how much more life that the, uh, the conference of champions has to give. Um, but the big 10 took it, you know, took it just as hard. So I can't, I can't talk shit as a big 10 um, uh, with big, as somebody with big 10 allegiances because they had nine that got in and there's only two of them left. 
All right, yeah. So, so I guess we can go from that now because two of the big things, obviously, going no, on. No, right wait, now. wait, wait, just wait, just wait one second. Is there, is there, are there children in the background? Like, I'm, oh I'm yeah, they're messing like this. And they're, they're, they're my children kids, around? but they can't hear you, so it's okay. And I'm trying not to cuss, so everything's good. Huh? Right, say okay. hi, Nolan. Well, deepest hi, apologies hi. for. Hi guys. <laughs> they can't hear you. It's good. Yeah. So back to it. It's uh. You know, two of the big sporting things going on that a lot of Nashville people would be interested in was March Madness to those who enjoy college basketball and have brackets and whatnot. And then obviously next is Titans free agency. So obviously as a big Titans reporter, what do you think is uh, big on the agenda for Titans and free agency right now? Um, You know, free agency. When you say free agency, like I think the bulk of that work is is already done, and like half of it wasn't. Well, I guess a, a quarter of it, or however you want to do the percentages, um, it wasn't really free agency. It was a, as a trade for Robert Woods, who's going to be the wide receiver number two here. So I think, you know, from here on out, you're looking at plug and play, like special teams and depth offensive linemen and things of that nature. Like I think the the bulk of your legwork in in this like big transaction market that's done um the rest of the substantial holes are going to be needed or going to need to be filled by rookies because they do have a substantial amount of draft capital even if they are without the second round pick at this point and there's a lot of quality offensive linemen that they could use help from as well as their second round pick from last year so i don't i don't know that you can expect many more waves as far as like the free agency is concerned so where do you think we go in the draft, because I see a lot of people saying you got to go quarterback in the first round, but I don't know if I'm really vibing with that. I, if, if those people exist, they are just that they're bitter and they're angry about the way that your season ended and, and uh, you know, spiteful. They're not actually thinking about what's best for the football team. Cause that would be of course a terrible decision um, in a year where you probably have what one more year of Derrick Henry um, and maybe Ryan Tannehill, depending on how this season goes. Um, so I mean, John Robinson was at Northern Iowa's Pro Day yesterday, which would be the tackle, Trevor Penning, and today at, uh, at Texas A&M's, which was, I think it's Kenyon Green, or I'm pretty sure that's the offensive lineman's name, from, uh, from Texas A&M, who are two of the top-regarded, top-rated prospects at that position, Kenyon Green is the AM offensive lineman's name. So, you know, I, I I wouldn't go crazy about like John Robinson's at Pro Day X, Y, and Z, but there's enough need there moving forward and enough quality players at, at that, you know, across those different positions um, that it would make a lot of sense if there is a quality offensive lineman interior or tackle that's that's going to be available to you at 26 i would not begrudge them for taking one uh in the first round again so weirdly enough buck you kind of you kind of grew up in titans media with this current titans team because they started when you got here they start they were they were pretty bad right you got here in 2015 is that right yeah, Marcus is uh, – me and Mariota are the same age. Our first year in Nashville was the same year. Like, it's – like, this is very, very much like the one era of Titans football that I – that I. you're right, I've grown up in it and around it. That So, how, how much different is it covering the team now when they're – you know, they've had a lot of success over the last few years versus when you first got here, when things were at the absolute lowest – 
Oh, I mean, it's, it's night and day, right? Like I was, I was so, I can't tell you how much fun I had this season, even as it was like, I know, catastrophic at the end and hugely stressful for Titans fans because of all the different injuries and all the different like twists and turns that it took. But like to see people treat this as a real NFL franchise, as far as home game atmosphere and excitement and buzz and oh my God, Julio Jones is a Titan, even if that was for like one eight month shooting star across the sky it's it is so so different i i actually the the program director 1025 at the time ryan porth he's since moved on to a to a gig in chicago he used to tell me hey like you can't rip the team like that people don't like how negative you are about the team because i I mean i used to i used to physically i used to hate them i used to hate watching them I used to hate that this was how I was spending my time. And, you know, now, now the, the compensation is a lot different. So I'm much happier about covering Titans football than I was at the start. But um, I, I used to despise watching them as a product. And I was, you know, it just didn't seem like anybody cared, right? Like it just didn't, it's the NFL. How could people not care? about this and at the same time like right around when I was starting out in my first couple of years like the Preds are are so so good and they go to the Stanley Cup and oh my god am I living in Nashville Tennessee and it's a hockey town over football like the balls stink the Titans are meh even though they they squeak out these nine and sevens and so what if it's 13 to what was it 13 to nine over the 13 to nine overtime over the winless that season Cleveland Browns and I'm slamming my head against my press box little cubicle because this is what I've subjected myself to um, as a career. But it's it's been so cool to see the way that they've turned it around. And that's that's truly a credit to everybody that they've brought in since Amy was kind of designated as the controlling Amy Adams Strunk was designated as the controlling owner here because I mean I still remember Darren and, and Derek doing the bit about oh is it Kenneth Barclay Adams or is it Amy Adams Strunk or just naming all these ridiculous like names that I had no idea who was actually associated with the team and Amy's Amy's done just such great work to make this a place where people care about football again. So a lot not really along those lines but I, I've always been curious about this what um what was it like kind of getting into that Titans media fraternity? There's so many different personalities. You got Kaharski um, and other guys that are just so, so different. And they seem to kind of either like you or not like you. So how did you kind of get in? It seems like you're cool with everybody now, but how did that kind of work? Well, who would, I, I'm curious, who would you say, who would you say I didn't get along with? I th- No, I think you got along with everyone. I was just wondering if that was a challenge. Um. You know, it's a, I, it was, I mean, it's like, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like high school, you know, they're just, they're just a bunch of high school uh, uh, clicks, I guess, for lack of a better term. And I mean, I honestly think that, and I'm not saying this just because I'm a part of it uh, the last couple of years, but like, I think that Titans media and Paul has said this too, as somebody who's been here, I mean, you know, it's like Paul and Jimmy and, uh, uh, Terry McCormick and Beauclair that have bit Teresa that have been here since the start. And I think this is as strong as Titans media has been collectively, not just, you know, uh, traditional people. I'm, like, I'm not technically a traditional person. Like I just now this year got a more traditional conventional media job. 
Um, but with all the different elements of, of the coverage, I think this is as good a place as coverage has been in a long time. But yeah, I mean, you know, I was I, I was made to think when I was at 1025 that just Paul Kaharski is just the worst human being in the world. Like how how could anybody, you know, I, I'd see the way that he goes at people on Twitter. I'm like, oh, I don't know that I, like this is kind of intimidating, um, especially given the fact that he doesn't seem to care very much for the place that I was working at the time. And honest to God, like I, there was a couple of like awkward moments um, just because I, just, you know, I just showed up in their meeting in their in their media room all of a sudden. And they're like, who the hell is this guy? And I'm trying to explain to them. Yeah, I have zero, you know, I have zero credentials to be here. But here I am, guys. Let's you know, Why don't you tell me about how it is that I'm supposed to do this job? Because I got no idea what I'm doing. Um, and honest to God, like they're they're like my family, all of them. Like I they they have taught me how to do the job that I do and I do it differently than maybe any of them would do it whether that's you know writing the way that Jimmy writes so like it's just constantly the man is tireless or you know Kaharski being both a reporter but also an opinionist on the radio or like trying to get a more fundamental understanding of how Tehran sees the game differently than I do because Teron played wide receiver in college. Like he's just got a better grasp on this, this stuff than any of us do. And I think, you know, I've tried to take parts from everybody's game and kind of make it work. And I've always done it in a way that I've tried. I mean, maybe, maybe my Twitter behavior does not come off necessarily as respectful because I do tend to fight with people. I do it less now than I used to, but, um, you know, I've always, I've always kind of shown people respect, I feel, and always, you know, I, the podcast, when I start, first started doing it for A to Z, like, we have everybody on the podcast, like, it's just, you know, it's Kaharski and Emily Proud one day, or it's uh, John Burton and, and Rex Road another, like, it's all, I've always tried to include everybody to make it a more communal atmosphere. Cause I don't think it was just based on what I understand. I don't know that it was always that way. And certainly Paul, I love him to death. He's my friend. I tell him that I've told him this multiple times to his face, but he's not the easiest person to get along with. So it's really fascinating to me, like listening to you talk about being in sports radio, how, especially when the Titans were bad, you were like, why did I ever think about doing this? This is absolutely grueling. I don't like being a part of this. And then, but you're also like really happy where you are now. So like, has your, so obviously, you know, you, you were thrown into it with like no qualifications and you, you know, you're never even a big sports guy. So have you like grown a, like a, a love for a passion in doing sports radio and sports? And has that like, have you become, obviously you're happier now than you were, but yeah, just talk about that. Cause it's really interesting how like your love for it's been like not there and then it's there. And does that correlate with how teams are doing and all that? Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily, I get into it for different reasons, right? Like, I mean, I'm a political science major, both my parents, my parents worked in international government and politics for 35 years before they retired super early. And um, so like, I look at it from, all right, the NFL is this dirty, grimy backroom dealing cigar smoke filled, you know, uh, horrid place full of obscenely rich people who are basically using millionaires as billionaires toys and i'm i'm forever like locked in on that like the societal microcosm that is sports 
makes it so compelling for me because you know you're basically watching billionaires play in their version of a sandbox it just so happens to be everybody else's source of primary entertainment around the country i you know so like i always i like talking i like hanging out with with cool people i like talking to cool people there's a lot of cool people in sports but um you know when i when i leave like i'm not listening to sports like i'm not when, when i leave work i'm not i'm not uh, i'm not downloading more sports outside of what it is that's already in my ecosystem i'm not actively seeking more but there's there's i and, and maybe that's just my way of like trying to compartmentalize because i do you know i'm getting ready to start the second part of my day like i've got a production meeting in, in nine minutes with my producer for prime time and then i'm going to start a whole in the second part of my day so like part of it's just for my own sanity so i'm not talking constantly and watching constantly all of these different things um but i i mean i love it and i've got a whole new appreciation for what it is that these guys and you know girls and in, in, in women's sports put themselves through and the fact that I may not necessarily I may not necessarily have been a sports fan but I have the utmost respect for the competition that these guys and gals put themselves through um and then you know I cover a really fun team like to be honest with you I don't know that my experience would have gone the same if Mike Vrabel wasn't the head coach here because Mike makes press conferences a hell of a lot more compelling and he's uh, than your average coach would. And Derrick Henry is a singular star that not everybody gets the opportunity to cover. And, you know, not everybody has a left tackle that's a big of a piece of shit as Taylor Lewan is, but that certainly makes my job more fun on a day-to-day. So, um I, I really like, I, I wish because people ask me like career advice and stuff like that. And I have no idea what to tell them because all of it is just so much predicated on luck and happenstance for me personally, that I don't necessarily know that you could recreate how I've gotten a career out of this thing. If you tried to do it over again, you know, like you probably get it two times out of 10. This okay. So if you've got that that meeting here soon, we'll we'll just get a couple more in and get you out of here. But I just have if you were like since like you know you ingest your sports with work, and then that's about as much sports as you want to ingest. Since you were a political science major, and you know your parents are in politics and all that stuff, like does sports with with your job take up most of your time, or do you still like to keep up with the political scene? And you know, obviously, since I know the the things you probably learned about in political science. Like, do you still like keep up with, you know, the news and the politics happening like today? Oh, hell yeah. I, I'm an addict. I, I love to read, which is good because there's a lot of information that I have to read on Tennessee and, you know, the Titans and the NFL and, you know, the Preds and stuff like that. But like, you know, what my, my I'm, I'm a bit of a weirdo. Like what I do for fun is I read the Wall Street Journal and I've got a New York Times subscription and I've you know, I love, I get New York magazine, uh, delivered. I still get a physical magazine <laughs> delivered to my house when they put out new editions. And I'm, you know, my family's, my, my dad's entire side of the family is Egyptian. So like, I'm ever just gripped by international politics and government and, and like history and things like that. Like I've spent my time, my free time watching, uh, Disney plus has this tremendous, 
I think it's like a 10 part docu-series on ancient wonders of Egypt. And I'm learning about my history that's 4,000 years old um, in, in a way that's still connected very much to what my family experiences on that side of the, on that side of the world day to day. And, and certainly, I mean, this has been one of the most interesting political times in American history over the last, I would say, what, uh, Obama and Trump probably eight years now in, uh, into this portion of it. And I, I can't get enough of it. I love it. Even if I find, you know, the conversation around it by the general, just the general conversation around it exhausting, it doesn't make me want to stop consuming it. Last one, uh, just kind of off of that, is it ever tough for you not to comment on any of that stuff, seeing, you know, what you see on Twitter and things like that? Um, you know, I, I usually do. I mean, I, I, I'm not like, I don't really have, I don't really have, nobody, nobody boxes me in that way. Um, and I don't say that to kind of like beat my chest, but it's people have never really backed me off. And I, you know, I don't get into, I don't get into too much. Like, you know, I know Clay Travis shows up at, at Williamson County parent teacher meetings or whatever. And his, it, and, and I'm not saying, you know, Clay, Clay, one side or the other, Clay's just a good example of somebody who works in sports, but also is very, very, you know, politically minded given his background. Um, but I, you know, during the black lives matter stuff, nobody, I, I never felt, I never felt, it just felt like the right thing to do to, have commentary on that because one there was no sports so what the hell else am I going to talk about because everybody in sports is getting involved with this movement and you have Kevin Byard and Ryan Tannehill standing up at a joint press conference talking about how they weren't going to practice today because Jacob Blake got shot by police and then all of a sudden my worlds are together and I get you know comments on the streaming show or nasty tweets or dms about stick to sports blah 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 I'm like no you, you don't understand that there's no there's no there's no dividing lines anymore they are the same thing to a to a i mean they are the same uh, they are parallels of each other anyway but now they're bleeding together more than they ever have so i don't i don't feel that it's out of bounds for me in any way shape or form um because one of the first games that i covered was the titan seahawks right after colin kaepernick started taking a knee and both teams stayed in the locker room for the national anthem and Eric Decker's wife, Jesse James Decker, is out there on Twitter saying, my husband doesn't believe in this because she's out here trying to sell a country album and all these different things. And all of a sudden, you know, I've got I've got actual training in it all of a sudden to just to apply it to a sports filter. So, no, I've never I've never felt inhibited or that I need to stop myself from saying something. I mean, you got I don't know if you guys, you guys assume I follow me on social media like I don't have a problem saying much of anything. Um, if I feel a certain way about it. In fact, that's probably my biggest problem is I tweet too much about shit that just kind of pops into my head. Buck Rising, 99% of the people that listen to this will already know who you are, but the 1%, tell them where they can hear you. Um, you know, at Buck Rising is just the easiest place to, <laughs> to aggregate it all. There's a bunch of different people paying me a bunch of, you know, for, to do a bunch of different things. So I'm all over the place, but you can find it all condensed in one ADD filled social media timeline uh, right there. That'll work. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been another episode of Victory Monday. Like, subscribe, rate five stars wherever you're listening. Hope you guys have a good one.